Welcome to the poem, the Parsha, the podcast, where we talk about a poem through the lens of the Parsha and the Parsha through the lens of a poem. I'm Rivi. And I'm Adrian. And we love nothing more than Parsha and poetry. No, absolutely. And so this is a big Parsha. I hope I don't say that every week, but it is. Well, I feel like we're we're in the sort of thick of it now, right? Like, but, um... Bereshit has this beautiful sort of, like, they're like plug-and-play narratives, right? They, like, here's a story, here's a story. Now we're into, like, the narrative thick of the Torah experience, right? Like, it's literally coming down from Sinai. I think, I think this is, this is a big time. You know, this is a, this is a huge time, and this Parsha, which I have, feel very close to it as my father of blessed memories, Parsha, Parsha Yitro, is of course the Parsha of the revelation of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And there is, uh, it is a central narrative for our uh, community and for tradition. And what's so fascinating is the physicality of the revelation, of it being centered mm -hmm. on the mountain. Hence the poem, Mountain, by Clifton Gachagua. Um, yes, I think, and I think this poem sort of speaks to the physicality of the mountain and um, just the physicality of the experience, lightning, thunder, smoke, like it's this like sort of sensory overload experience. And I think Clifton, or Gachagua speaks to that. Um, Gachagua is Kenyan. He won the first ever Silverman Book Prize um, and he's, he, for his chat book in 2014, which this poem comes from, Madman at Kilifi, and he's a member of a writing collective called Jalada Africa, which is really interested in, in thinking about Africanness as a sort of innate bodily experience. And there, there are, I, I threw on the website, there actually have a list of like themes and topics that they engage with and it's I really appreciate that that I didn't have to go you know searching for something it was just there for me um, wow yeah it was really I was like this is really thoughtful um, but there a lot of the work I found there I mean there are screenplays there are conferences like like video recordings of conferences there are spoken word recordings there are you know recordings of and and text of poems and I was just so interested in the the physical presence of the experience they were trying to convey which um, really i so, that so resonates with me i just finished reading last week i don't know why it took me so long in life i just finished reading things fall apart uh of course yes by chinua chinua achebe achebe and that was a magnificent book and yes. it felt very physical yes Yes, and I've, ta I've taught that book many times. Um, it is a favorite to teach uh, because it's, it's sort of sparse in a way, and it's so that, that physical nature of it really stands out. And so that, I, when I read this poem initially, not being terribly familiar with Gachagua's work, I thought, wow, this, this is a Chebe-esque in thinking through the body. Uh, would you like me to read Please. it? Please. Okay, Mountain by Clifta Gachagua. On the day I set out on the climb, grief saddled my back like a bag of marbles. 
my breath like clouds hanging on the low peaks of a mountain on the day I set out, leaving nothing behind, nothing on the bed, no version of myself, just my voice through the night, the voice I use to ward off nightmares. My voice is still a life in itself, a shrouded green and ultramarine deep blue, a bowl of apples and tangerines on the table. On the day I set out, the mountain is high in front of me, the unreliable god of mist and fog. I have no voice to say how high my fingers must, list, must lift as if on a lover's upper lip, to take in the breath of how high my mountain is, white teeth behind a snow cap, numberless springs, cold like the enzymes in spit. A version of me is still asleep, the moving of a limb in sleep. Everything becomes lucid. This poem so speaks to the Sanaitic experience yes. of Moshe climbing the mountain. Yes. Where do you see the intersections? Um, I, the repetition of this on the day I set out, on the day I set out. Um, and then we've got the, the physical experience. Um, the mountain is high in front of me, the unreliable god of mist and fog. My fingers must lift to take in the breath, white teeth, cold like the enzymes in spit, the moving of a limb in sleep. Like there's this, there's this bodily experience that is so powerful. Um, and so I really, like as I was reading this poem, I thought to myself, this is Moshe. This is Moshe going up the mountain. I had the same precise experience. And one of the, you know, what's so fascinating about the story and the narrative in the book of Exodus and Shemot is that the Midrash just takes the ball and runs with it yeah. and in its own sense of poetry. And this mountain poem is almost Midrashic-like in that way of trying to unpack the experience of going up the mountain. And, you know, we are blessed to live in Seattle. We oh, are gosh, the yes. shadow of mountains. I can sit in my dining room and look to my right and I can see the Olympic Mountains. I can look to the left and see the Cascade Mountains. We walk the loop, we see... Mount Rainier, the majesty. There is something so spiritual and so unknown of mountains. Yes. Willa Cather writes about uh, the idea that all religions and beliefs began at the foot of a mountain. Huh. There, I have not read Willa Cather in, in years and years and years, and now I think I should. You know, um, it, it's wow. a, it, there's something yes. about mountains. There is, there is. I was thinking about that because I was thinking about Pittsburgh today. From Pittsburgh, we don't know mountains. We, we know hills. We, we know hills. <laughs> we know steep hills. We do not know mountains. Um, and that was something that I kept thinking of. It's like Pittsburgh does not know mountains. Um, but this and this poem was so. It it also brings me back to this place, like what I call the Pittsburgh place, right? Of like living in the body, living in the experience, living in that moment and being fully present for it. And that physicality is in the text in Shemot. Yes. Yes. And that's verse 11 in chapter 19. The danger of the mountain. You cannot touch the mountain. Uh, the blowing of the shofar, there is the dynamic of who's going up the mountain. The mountain is being boundaried. 
Moshe's going up, Moshe's going down. Mm-hmm. The voice, the kol shofar chazak me'od vayecherad yes. kolam. Everyone is trembling. And Bahar Sinai, Ashan Kulo, it is all, you know, surrounded by the cloud and the fire and it's shaking. It's it's a big experience here. It is. It's a huge experience. and But at the same time, it's also a... It's okay to, to allow that to be a singular experience. It is allow. It is okay to sort of live in the emotion and live in the moment of Moshe going up the mountain. I mean, the sense of responsibility, the sense of... I, I can't imagine not being afraid in that moment. Um, I have no voice to say how high. But, it, but previously, he says, the voice I use to ward off nightmares. And so that, to me, says, like, the trauma of slavery... And in the desert is still present, and it's it, we acknowledge it, but there's also like this forward momentum, right? Of like this is the next thing, this is the we need to keep going to find this powerful place, this powerful moment. Um, I'm wondering. I'm wondering about the line that's in parentheses. Oh, I was just gonna go there. Let's do it. My voice is a still life in itself, a shroud green and ultramarine, deep blue, a bowl of apples and tangerines on the table. Well, I have thoughts about that. Tell me. First of all, it's it's intriguing to me. It's in parentheses, and I would love to probe the idea of what are the parentheses. Are the parentheses a thought? my voice is still in itself as a still life in itself. The the ultramarine, the mm-hmm. and and the deep blue to me is evocative of God's crown, as of God's throne on Sinai. You know, the blue of the tzitzit resembles the blue of the ocean, resembles yes. the blue of the heavens, resembles the blue of the throne as if of glory. And so there is this intense blue when you climb a mountain. Yes. You know, the higher you go up, the intensity just simply keeps presenting itself. Yes. And then I wonder about the bowl of apples and tangerines on the table, because, you know, after Sinai, we hear that the youth, they sat and they ate and they drank and they saw God. And God's throne was was like the sapphire. And so that's... Interesting ingredients to me. Yeah. It's interesting that there's, you know, right there in the parentheses, we have the voice. Of course, we talk about the voice of God, revelation at Sinai. We have the color of that deep blue. And then there's this food. Yeah. And and the food is, you know, we consume knowledge. We consume, you know, fruit. There's the fruit of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole whole idea behind this, this project, right, was beauty is truth and truth beauty. The, the knowledge, that, that knowledge and aesthetics belong together. And so this, I mean, we're talking about a still life in itself. When I think of still life, I think of the, like, the paintings in the museum, right? Of the bowl of fruit, of the, of the glass of wine. Um, and so there's, like, there's that moment of removal from the poem. You know, we're talking about, I set out leaving nothing behind. On the day I set out, the mountain is high. And then this this aside, this parenthetical, sort of takes us out of that for a minute. And so it's almost like, are we reflecting forward, right, on the moment after the mountain? The whole piece is just, it's almost like we're diving into the poem. Yes. We, we can feel this poem 
on the day I set out on the climb, mm -hmm. grief saddled in my back like a bag of marbles. And there is grief along with this revelation. Yes, yes. yes. Because we know that this is a moment that is frozen, but is going to be followed up very soon by this, the act of the golden calf. Oh gosh, yes. And so, and, and so many interpretations, and I'm sure we're going to get to it, is this is hard to sustain. It is yes. hard to stay up on the mountain. Yes. Yes. And I was, I was thinking about that. I think that moment of removal in the parenthetical is that, that acknowledgement that we cannot stay on the mountain. We must come down eventually. And then with this hard turn at the end, right? A version of me is still asleep. The moving of a limb in sleep. Everything becomes lucid, right? We've, we're out of this dreamlike state and back into whatever the real world may look like. And I, that hard turn at the end of the poem makes me think of sort of the what comes next after Moshe comes down. And I, I think it's phenomenal that the last line of the poem is everything becomes lucid. Yes. Because there is that clarity of experience yes. that happens at Sinai that is so essential to our people's narrative mm -hmm. of mass revelation. The idea that we have, that we hold so dear, that everyone experienced God. Yes. It wasn't just one person. No. No, I know, and I, I feel like, I feel like this, this moment, like you said, of clarity, but of also like, there is something that will come next, right? And I think we can end on that moment of like, we've got one foot forward, now we have to take the next step. And because, you know, a version of me is still asleep. Mm -hmm. And so each one of us have to continuously wake into Sinai. Gosh, all the time. All the time. All right. Well, Thanks friends, listeners. thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.